Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of For the Hidden. And this one I'm really excited for it. I recently had the chance to interview an ex-foster care person. Alex is a non-binary gamer, mother, and occasional drag performer. She has had lots of trials throughout her life, and we talked about her time in foster care and the time after foster care when she exited. So have a listen, and hopefully you enjoy it as much as I did. If we can, let's talk a little bit about just like, you don't have to tell me how you ended in foster care, but you were in foster care and it was until you got out of it. How was, how was the experience for you? Um, I wouldn't change anything because, you know, the butterfly effect and all that. So I wouldn't go back and change it all. But in hindsight, the time in foster care um the the majority of the time I was in I was a teenager I was also in for a little bit as a baby which obviously I don't remember but I Mm -hmm. have heard about um but the time I was in foster care in just those three years it it compacted so much more trauma in me that um I would almost just go back to my abusive family because at least it was the same family trauma it was familiar so it was um it was it was that bad. It was bad enough that like, again, in hindsight, it's like, wow, I honestly don't know how I survived all of that in such a um, tumultuous period and and, like really important developmental time in my life. Um, But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was it. I I entered care officially again when I was 15. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't mind caring. I ran away from home and then it just became, I don't want to go back to them and they didn't want me back. So it was like, we'll hand her off to whoever will take her. Oh, so that yeah. was, that was my experience until I left, until I was in college. So Yeah. Did you, did you have multiple houses when you're in foster care or was it kind of 17 foster homes? 17. Yeah. 17. Is that now, is that because of you? Or I don't know if that's how we should ask the question. It sounds very hard. I'm sorry. So I think the majority of people that um, have that high of a number are also involved in group homes or the juvenile justice system, which I was not. Okay. Um, and and not that that makes it the youth's fault if they are, because it right. doesn't. Um, but a lot of a lot of kids that get bounced around that much do they they do have those um, in their portfolio. I didn't. Um, and I actually, my caseworker told me once that she uh, got, I guess, a little bit reprimanded over not finding me a permanency plan. Uh-huh. Um, so I was a little bit of a special, <laughs> I guess I to brag, I was a little bit of a special case where it was <laughs> like, well, her permanency plan is not reunification, so it's not going back home. It's not finding a stable foster home, which I assume was kind of probably the case with your 17-year-old, where it's like, be a home for this person to turn into an adult in that that never happened with it I couldn't find that family and um and then the the third option which is not they don't usually consider it which is like emancipation um Mm -hmm. they apparently I wasn't you know I wasn't about to do that so so I was kind of like floater I was just like a floater (laughs) so yeah a little bit of a of a anomaly but not much because a lot of like I, I met a lot of teenagers who went through the same thing so yeah, yeah, it seems it seems common at that age on the on the upper end of the scale where there's not those those kids aren't getting adopted. I feel like there's a there's a cutoff of like 12 or 13 where that's not the case anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it might be, I mean, obviously, I I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's probably both sides. Like, parents aren't looking to adopt other kids, but I think kids don't want to be adopted at that point. Absolutely. Is, is that, yeah. is that true for you? It was, yeah. I had, I had a few foster sisters that were, you know, um, I would say they had stars in their eyes about the idea, yeah. even though it was clear it was clear objectively that nobody was going to adopt them. And they were like, <laughs> right. you know, they were doing the things that would not get them put out of the foster care system to even be considered for adoption. They were like, yeah, it would be really cool. I would, I would call her mom. And I'm like, I absolutely would not. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. And so any parent that had a, a, like that, you know, Oh, we could adopt you. I was an instant, instant, like, at odds with them this isn't this isn't the place for me (laughs) you know if it it was really scary the way that it was um the way that it was uh marketed towards me at least Mm -hmm. i would say for other foster kids where the marketing is like um your parents lose all their rights you probably won't ever hear from them again they have no like legal protection to ever see you again your your parents could do whatever they want with you they could change your name i mean it sounded a lot like getting stolen and so i was absolutely not in it's like they're selling a car or something right it's yeah like, a little bit yeah yeah it's crazy so, yeah that's i can't imagine being there and like hey look your whole life before is now going to be gone and now these people are going to be your parents and you're you're almost an adult like your your brain is formed at this point you're not six five whatever you know yeah. what's going on you're not dumb it's like what's what is this like it could be the best family in the world and you're you know as a teenager you're like you don't know me exactly (laughs) and it's that's the thing that it's not your fault and that's the hardest part of the whole situation yeah it's you didn't ask for that you didn't ask for any of it (laughs) yeah no 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 not at all it's uh i found out i found out really quick that it wasn't you know what what everybody thinks that it is you know when you meet somebody that hasn't has no experience in the system they they think of like little orphan annie you know when when you find out that that's not it it's almost like a um well you just gear up for the worst like yeah so yeah at that point things like oh well we could adopt you to this nice like that's not even you know what i mean it's like to me that's not even on the table (laughs) no yeah yeah that's that's i know what happens but it's definitely the exception not the not the the norm yeah so tell me a little bit when when you moved houses how was that process was it was it tough was it easy was it just another thing that happened after a while um it got easier the more i did it the first few times it absolutely like broke my heart um and i just had to get used to it and you do you just get more and more used to it um most of the time i wasn't told most of the time I would come home from school or usually school or they, I'm one, one was after Christmas, the day after Christmas, all my other foster sisters got loaded up in the car and taken out for ice cream. And I got sat down and told they were moving you. Yeah. And we didn't want to ruin Christmas. So we let you stay until Christmas, but <laughs> now you got to go. And um, so it was, it was like uh, in the beginning, like I say, absolutely like crushed me. But as time went on, it was like uh, I expected it. You know what I mean? I would come home like, "Where's Melissa?" Is today the Is day? Is it gonna happen? Yeah. So oh. my, my caseworker was like, 
can you at least stay in this house until you graduate? And it's like, I'll give it my best shot. It's not up to me, you know, like yeah. I wouldn't be in any of these houses anyway. But so um, it was it was a lot of um, un uncertainty, even when I was even when I got to the point where I was really jaded, you know, and it was like, yeah, you know, this is coming. It was still you just it was like Russian roulette. You just never knew when. So a lot of stress. That, lot is, of stress. that is tough. And like we're. I don't, I don't know how to ask this. Like, but were the were the foster, like the resource families, were they, were they, like honest and upfront with you, or were they the ones just not saying anything either? Um, it varied. There were some that were. Um, and I try not to like, I try not to hold grudges against. Actually, just one one family where the movement the, they moved me because I had graduated. I was I was graduated when I was seventeen, mm -hmm. and they my caseworker was like I had moved to a town that I hated. All my friends were two hundred miles away, and she oh, was like, geez. "If I move you to this home over the summer where you can see your friends, will you go to college?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> so <laughs> that movement was like a let's get you back to a place that you were happy. Um, and the foster parents were actually really sad to see me go. So like they were, um, you know, that was kind of, I think the closest to a, a kind departure that I got. Um, okay. there were some, there were some that would, uh, you know, have all my stuff in garbage bags and wouldn't even help me leave. There was one who just piled all my stuff in her car and drove me to the other place and didn't say a word the whole time. Uh, usually it was my caseworker, like people didn't like me so much that they would have my caseworker come and pick me up like I was, you know, a dog and she was animal control. So they couldn't even like look at me in the eye and say, I can't stand you. <laughs> so, Jeez, which is fine. Yeah. I was very, I was, I didn't want to hear it. Like, of course I didn't want to. Hear it. So, yeah. The, the easier I could just get out of their house and not have to look at them anymore, you know. So, my caseworker was all like, I'm sure she probably smoked a pack a day. Just being like, yeah. well, I gotta find a new home for Alex. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Uh, it, they were, um, and a lot of my foster parents were, I guess, newer. And I would hear this okay. all the time. Say where they're like, give them a break. They're new. Give them a break. They're new. You know, I was one of the easy kids because I didn't have, I didn't have a criminal record. I didn't have behavioral problems. I never, you know, hit somebody else where it would be found out. And it's like, you know, they would give me to them as the easy teenager. And then when it didn't work out, it was take it easy on their new. They don't know about this world. They don't know about thought. So, you know, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's tough. That sucks. It's, it's yeah. Interesting. I'm just, I'm thinking back to all the placements we had. Um, and yeah, it's, it's tough to give an older child in, in my opinion to a new family. Because I, if, I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to make generalizations, but just my personal opinion is people get into foster care to foster little kids. And I think that's the, the idea. And when someone comes to you and say, hey, you want to take a 16, 17 year old kid, they don't have any problems. And you're like, that's, that's old. <laughs> like, and it's hard, right? It's hard for both because you don't like that. The kid doesn't really see that relationship happening. You know, and and neither do they. I think they they're more like, yeah, I'll be a mentor to this kid. But that kid does not want a mentor at this yeah. point in their lives. Yeah. They just want a bed to sleep in, and that's kind yeah. of it. Yeah. 
so it's tough to give that to a new family um yeah well i think that again by the state if the state looked at me on paper i was a wonderful human yeah like i said no i had no bad marks did everything right my grades were even okay i was very very intelligent so i think they were like oh (laughs) you know when you look at when when the alternative is a 14 year old who's pregnant or a 16 year old who's on meds yeah. It's like, oh, Alex, of you know, so they're like, wow, model citizen. And, and, you know, again, like you said, no, uh, foster parents, I, I have taught, um, foster parent classes and I've sat in on them mm-hmm. and it's gotten better over the years, but I don't think that they're prepared specifically for teenagers. I don't think they get oh. taught like what even is a teenager, <laughs> you know, what, and, and, I had I felt a lot of the time when I was in these homes that not only was I the learning process, I, I felt that way, but I also felt like they were completely clueless. Like I felt like it mm-hmm. was, you know, I was storming in on somebody's life and, and they were just like, what even is this? Yeah, this <laughs> so, is another adult in my yeah. house. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, and I, I wish that, I wish that there were more trainings on, you know, Again, what even is a teenager? What do they want? What do you do with them? Because it it gets glossed over. I That's think. a good point. That's a very good point. Because I looking back to to my trainings, it, this was like you know eight years ago now, but it was always like kids, like little kids, and it was mm-hmm. never like oh yeah, kids with behavioral issues. But they never specified like yeah, there's a 17 year old that's going to come in that that isn't going to listen to anything you say, and they're going to be hard. And like these, usually they're people. Not usually, I guess a, a majority of them are people who, who haven't had their own kids, so they haven't seen the progression of a child from zero to adulthood, and that's important. And if like you go through it yourself, but that's not the same. Like you think you're great. Like I think yeah. I was a great kid all the time, but if you ask someone else, they'd be like, "Yeah, he was, you know, a problem." <laughs> so like, yeah. you never know. So their own teenagers, which I had a few foster families that did they put that on you you know where it's like well this is what my son did when he was 17 yeah. like i am not your he son was great <laughs> 10 years ago yeah and <laughs> yeah so the the whole and like one of the things and i and i bring this up all the time you know kids have three like huge brain expansion times number mm-hmm. one is infancy to first year number two is like around kindergartenish age where their neurons are just like exploding yeah and the third time is like 12 to 17 and it's um it's not just puberty it is like a developmental like this huge important time of their life where whatever's going on in their brain is going to set the tone for the rest of their life and you know it it manifests in things like being moody being tired all the time being a grouch you know being a a a sassy ass like all these things that people are like oh you're just a teenager it's just hormones and then you get like berated for it and you know when i learned in hindsight like oh that's what was going on in my brain no wonder i was so and it's like you know could you could we at least tell foster parents like hey you know it's not it's inevitable that they're gonna be a jerk but also like you give you give a screaming baby some you know it gets on your nerves but you give it some like okay this is not your fault but teenagers do not right. they do not get that grace yeah so 
Yeah. They definitely don't. Yeah. I, yeah. And the, and the placements we had, they were, they were trouble. Um, they, they were the ones, unlike you, they, they were the ones who did have records and they did have problems. And it was the first time in my life I ever had to have a, like a, a phone card to call the prison because, you know, they mm. had, you know, relationships with people in prison. I was like, well, this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> How do I do this? And like having to get, receive mail from prison and send mail to prison. It's like, okay, that's new for me. I don't, I don't know about this. And that's, you know, that happens and people are not ready for it. So no. it's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And I go back to the, what you said about, you know, some parents do have teenagers or did have, you know, kids go through, you know, growing up, but it's completely different. Like my response to them would be like, well, you also didn't have your kid taken from you. That kid didn't have to go through this experience. You also were present most of the time. You know, you didn't make, you didn't make bad choices. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's the difference. <laughs> like anyone in that situation, I think would react the same. And yeah. It's, it's not just, it's not their fault either. So that's tough. Um, do you think there's anybody, or or I guess it's just, it's, is there anybody in the system today? You've been out of it for what, 10, 10 years now? Longer than that. Almost 20. 20 yeah. years now. It's quite a while. <laughs> is there anybody you still keep in contact with? Is there any positive relationships there? There are. Um, I'm friends with my case, mild caseworker on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, friends with a few of mild foster parents. Um, I'm very close with one of my foster sisters. The others I've tried to, um, a lot of them are dead. Like a lot of them have passed away. Really? So yeah, it seems about every year or two, I hear about another one that has, has gone. So, um, that's like the worst feeling, but yeah. the one I, I keep in really close contact with, um, she has two kids. She she still lives in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, we we talk all the time. Uh, I have a few friends that I was friends in high school with that were not in the system, but they would watch me move. I went to four different high schools, you know, and they were like, "What is going on with you? What is your life even?" You know, and yeah. they like so they were my uh, peer support, I guess, and I'm I'm still close with them. So yeah, I do I do retain relationships there. I went I went back to Tennessee. Um, gosh, 2018, I want to say. And I actually went to the foster parents house that I had. So this is like my, I thought I was the little mermaid and she was Ursula. Like I was so, I, I was, I probably would have committed arson given a yeah. few more, like went into her house and she was so nice to me. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> and, uh, and she was, you know, so happy to see me. And so like, act, and then, and then later she sent me an email and was like, um, I hope that you'll forgive us for not knowing what to do with you. Like we had no clue. And I was their first foster uh, yeah. period. And then they went on to foster a lot more. And I think they kind of got, you know, um, their expectations a little, a little better. So that, that was, that was, that was nice. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I, I think cool. when you are from broken home after broken home after broken home, relationships become very important. So yeah. uh, I really worked to, to make those as tight as I possibly could. Yeah. That's, that's good. That, that's good to hear. Um, yeah. So walk me through a little bit, like 
after like what happened you were 17 turning 18 what was the process like of you becoming your own adult like free person um well i think i had practiced a while because okay. i i have my case file it's about this thick um i read it recently and the common complaint was that i just you know wouldn't listen didn't want to do anything people wanted i was so i was like contrary and um my in my mind my thought was <clears throat> i can't wait till i'm 18 and i am away from all these people um and i'll just go to college you know it was like i i wanted nothing more than to go to college i wanted to be a teacher um cool and uh i you know it's 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 funny because i think every 17 year old is like i can be an adult you know yeah. like i can do it and i really felt that and you know like deeply in my bones and so i um i prepared i i filled out all these scholarship um essays i got a lot of scholarships i got the pell grant um i did all my school paperwork at the last minute because you know i have adhd <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so it got done but barely and I, so I, I left high school. I graduated when I was 17. I went back to, um, the name of the town was Athens, uh, for the summer, got kicked out of that foster home in the middle oh. of the summer, got moved again. And my foster or my, my caseworker was like, if you get moved again, I am going to kill you. <laughs> like <laughs> stay in one place until, because I couldn't move into the dorm until college started that yeah. semester. Um, school started August 28th. My first day was August 21st. So I had to stay in a foster home a literal week. Like I had no control over anything for a whole week before yeah. college. Um, and I got in trouble because I went camping. My foster mom said I could go camping. I went camping, turned 18 with my friends. And when I came back, the caseworker was sitting, new caseworker. Cause you know, usually you get changed like to a, a different style of caseworker when right. you're about to be an adult, you know, benefiting in the system. I use that term loosely. I didn't benefit very yeah, much. Very heavy quotes on benefit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she was new. I had never met her and I walked into the house and I was so happy because I was a, all I want, all I wanted was to just be with my friends. That's all I wanted. And I had just had the most amazing birthday. We swam in a lake, you know, nothing, nothing terrible or criminal happened. Mm came back and she was like, well, you can't, you can't have an overnight stay without my, um, permission. So I'm like removing you from the, like, you're losing all of your college help. You're getting taken off of what? because you broke the rules. And my foster mom, who I had known a whole week at this time was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I told her she could go like, don't need right. so a huge argument with me in my pajamas starts at seven in the morning of am I going to college or not? Because this lady got mad that I went camping. Um, she lost that argument <laughs> and I moved to my college uh, a week later. And then, then it was pretty much a year, about a year and a half of me desperately trying to get access to the services that I was supposed to have. Um, they never came. And after a few like, really bad attempts i just said screw it and at that point i didn't know i didn't know how to go back and get the like more funds for the next year of school so that that whole period of time <clears throat> before i turned 19 uh was half homeless half couch surfing half 
flunking out of school. Like it was, that was, that was a rough time. So Jeez. yeah. yeah. Did you have that same case, the second, the new caseworker that whole time? No, they changed it again. Uh, I think after, I think after what she did is like, they immediately changed it. Um, but this is going to show how old I am. When I moved to college, my college was about 300, 350 miles away from the, that office, the, the DCFS office that I was, you know, owned out of, leased out of. Yes, of course. The, um, so we didn't get phones back then. Cell phones were like still a luxury at this point. I had no phone. I had a dorm room phone. That was it. Yeah. Um, She had to drive 300 miles to come and check on me. And I had access to a computer lab at school with an email. That was like my only real connection to the outside world. I can't stress, you know, if I would have had a phone, it probably would have been easier. Um, and I mm-hmm. don't know why they could have just got me one. <laughs> but yeah. I was supposed to have one. But um, there was so little contact. Um, and yeah, and then they switched again. So it like, there were three caseworker changes within a year of, college of me trying to get things like food and you know somewhere to stay in the summer and all that Jeez. So, yeah yeah that's uh, yeah it, it all sucks it <laughs> I don't know what, like there's not a good way to put that it's just unfortunate situation that you found yeah. it and that's not would you say this is a typical typical that's- thing for kids Absolutely. You know, I, I had this paper given to me before I even went to college that was like, you know, if you choose to stay in the system, here's what you have. It was like a whole big page of, you know, you can't drink, you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, a caseworker will come and inspect your living um, arrangements once a month. Like I expected these things because they were on this paper. Um, and then you would get things like, you know, obviously your school, your lo- your board paid for um, things money like tech for textbooks um uh food stamps and um somehow a car like a license and a car was not in that even though you know how on god's name is anybody supposed to survive without a car the amount of foster youth that i knew that aged out and had no no car no license no life skills no checking account no cell phone no i mean it's just like being thr- like taken out of prison and just thrown, you know, <laughs> like go find a payphone and hope that you have somebody you can call is kind of. Yeah. And that's the thing. Call. Like you probably don't, a lot of them probably don't. And how or are you supposed to do that? And their friends are, you know, either in a really bad situation themselves where they can't offer much help or they're not really going to help them in the first place. So yeah, you have, yeah. it's really not on you at that point. Um, it's not, it's like, it is like playing poker. It's whatever hand you get. And they're, they're not good hands usually. Yeah. So. Statistically, you're, you're not going to win in poker. So no. I mean, you're not going to win yeah. in no. this system either. I, yeah, I don't, I know a few, I know a few people who, you know, went straight from foster care to college and they, they stuck it out and they graduated. And in all cases, every case there was, um, a family on the other end of that, whether that was their birth family or like, you know, a foster family or even just a friend, a lot of it, a lot of times it'll be their friends who have parents that are willing to help that that other family was the net, like catching them every time, you know, and yeah. help them. 
So if that net is not there, it's not going to happen. You're going to end up on the streets. Yeah. And in my mind, like I, I saw all the paperwork that our, our 17 year old had to fill out and do and everything she had to keep up with. And in my mind, I was just looking at it. I was like, this, none of this is going to happen. Like she's, no one's ever taught her how to be responsible and she doesn't want to be at this point. And it's Mm -hmm. like, she just wants to go have fun. She wants to go do the things she wants to do and not do any of this. So, and I don't know if like, if you don't do it for a certain amount of time, you're just off of it and you don't get that chance again. Is that how it works? It's yeah, that seems to be the case. They, uh, I, I had asked about that because I honest, honestly, I said, I just want a year off. And they were like, Nope, Nope, absolutely not. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that's a thing they do anymore. I know that, you know, like as an example, you're eligible for Chafee funds until you're, I want to say 24 or something. Mm -hmm. You have to find a towel coordinator to do that for you. You have, you as an 18, 19 year old has to walk into the DCSF office and be like, I need to sit down and discuss my educational funds. Like, (laughs) no. So they're like, you, they are there floating in space. They're not accessible. And it's definitely, it's, uh, it's high hopes to think that somebody who just came out of that abusive system would turn to it for help in their moment of need. Very, yeah, very high hopes. Very, yeah. very much so. Uh, no, I do it, so. Yeah, like if in your case, it seems like you're one of the, you know, more hopeful future ones. Yes, I, they had high hopes for me and I still <laughs> yeah. let them down. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but it wasn't you, right? You didn't let them down. Like the system is letting everyone down. I True. Mean, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, I absolve myself of all guilt, but I know, I, I know because I've read the file, I know how it looked to them, Yeah. but to, I, yeah, you're totally right. Like it's just, it's just not, it's not going to happen a lot of the time. Yeah. So. We, we released, um, well, I did, I've done a ton of research, you know, from, from back when I was in foster care to, to now. And, um, like we, we talk about these numbers all the time and it's, you know, 50% of every, every child who ages out is immediately homeless. And, you know, one in, you know, large number are going to get degrees. One in large number are going to do this. And then like a very high percent are going to be involved in criminal activity. are going to be addicted to drugs uh, or aren't going to have a paying job. And like, there's no solve for like, there's no easy solve for this because I think it's just, you know, the system is not set up for easy solves and like human condition is not set up to be solved easily. But like, if, if there was anything, have you ever thought about if there was anything you could change in the system, would there be anything? Would, would anything be easier for you? I, I always come back to, I would just abolish it completely. (laughs) Like, really? Yeah. When you, when you start looking for, you know, things to patch up like the foundation is crumbling and yeah. um, I you know I get because that's not a problem solving answer <laughs> people don't like it no, so, no it's, not. it's the it's how I really feel um and but I know that that's that's also not going to happen because then then what do you do with everybody like you can't just do that um I honestly truly my heart is in there's two things number one people in general should not be going to college when they're 18. That's, that's just okay. not, it's not okay. It's, yeah. it's not, 
first of all, it's not affordable. It's not feasible in this country. If it was, I would probably say differently, but it's not. So just don't do it. Like nobody, foster kids, nobody should be going to college when they're 18. Um, they shouldn't even be going to college when they're 24. Like hit 25 and then then maybe apply is, is how I feel. And the problem with that is, again, your your grants, they, they turn off when you hit 25. Yeah. So to build in, you know, but the other thing that I, you know, in to me, um, because a lot of the reason that other programs uh, that are designed to help people in these situations fail, and I'm just, I'm not picking on Job Corps, but I'm going to pick on Job Corps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Job Corps at all. No, is that here in Utah as well? Or is that just, is that everywhere? It's nationwide. There is okay. one in in Utah. Um, so Job Corps is a program that um, you can do it if you've been through foster care. You can do it if you're low income, if you're homeless, things like that, um, uh, where it's basically young adults who don't have support. They come in, they get room, board, food, education, all free, and they even get a little bit of money. Um, however, the and again, I'm not picking on Job Corps because this is across the board. These yeah. programs treat, they treat everybody in them as though they they are they have already messed up basically when you go into job court it's assumed you have messed up yeah. you're not allowed to the campus you're you get treated uh, my husband went through job court and he was an instructor there so um you get treated like you're a delinquent you know yeah. like you and so the i think if we if we can improve those programs like improve i think the um just the environment in them and then also get get people cars like get them a car i know they'll probably just go and wreck it like one day later but i mean cars are really important if you want to make money you have to have a car and you know it's a good place to sleep too like there are many nights that i wish i would have had a a car to sleep in um but yeah that that would be my answer don't go to don't go to college (laughs) screw that Find find a program that may treat you as a human. You know, if you want to do something, um, they're they're out there. Like even trade school is 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 a better choice to me than than college. And then number three is uh, get access to cars for people. Um, yeah. And those are all three like the, the most big abstract things. But you ask, so there's my no. Answer. That's that's totally fair. <laughs> yeah, I was. It's interesting to hear from someone who lived it. Like, what would you want? And I think that's that might not be happening enough. Like honestly, I think a lot of people who went through it don't want anything to do with it again, and yeah, like distance yeah. themselves from it. So the people who possibly could have solutions are like, no, nope. we're done. They're too, I, yeah, they're <laughs> too tabless too for a long time. Yeah, I couldn't even yeah. talk about it. So yeah, you're justifiably so. Like it's yeah. it's a very traumatic time, and you know, no, not everybody has to deal with that, and no one really should. And going back to what you said in the beginning, like abolish the whole thing. Like, I wonder how, like, how much worse off would we be, given the, the situation you were in before, versus foster care? Like, what would have been, I know we, we don't know, but what would have been worse? Staying with your original family or the, all the stuff you went through after it? Like, That's, I ask myself that a lot. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And, like, it's, yeah, it, it, it would have been the same. Like, that would have been something. It would have been constant. And I don't know if consistency is better than, you know, the alternative. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard (laughs) and it's, it's hard. And that's why we're trying to like, you know, share stories like yours so people can really understand the hardness of it, especially from someone like you who, who tried, you know, a lot of people don't, 
<laughs> and a lot of kids don't try. Oh, college try. <laughs> yeah. Like ours, uh, ours didn't have a GED. Never got yeah. it. Probably won't won't get it. And like that's that was the other spectrum, <laughs> the other side of it. But yeah, it's. Oh, I had a lot. I had a lot of friends that didn't. I I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is it's um, and I'm 35. And, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say going back, reading through my file, just working with the people I work with. And like, cause I do, I, I work around like mentoring teams. Yeah. I, I would be lying if I didn't say I get, I get the frustration a little bit. Cause I do where it's like as an adult, as a grown up, where you're trying to give them some kind of future. I, I would be lying if I didn't say I get it. I get being frustrated at them, but to be perfectly honest, I'm even now I'm more understanding of the no i don't want anything to do with this i don't want a gd i don't want to talk to you i don't want i i feel that if somebody were to put me in that situation right now i'd do the same thing i'd rebel again i think a lot so, of people would not not yeah. just people who come from hard backgrounds but most people put in a situation they don't want to be in and didn't ask for like even yeah. today like if my if if somebody i know that is like giving me unsolicited advice it's like what are you talking about I don't yeah. want to hear it. <laughs> I didn't yeah. ask. Yeah. I can't like a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it, the support for adults is like, you know, well, here, how can you work with them? What's the solution? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what to call it other than like, it's, it's like, um, you, for me, you have to put yourself in a place of like radical, like freedom where it's like, no, it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen let the cards fall like let them go because the minute that you try to start putting what you as a foster parent or you as a caseworker or you even as like a like i say like i'm just a caring adult friend you know i whatever you put on them that you want them to do it's already like you've already crossed the line where it's not you know what i mean like yeah you want them to do something um and you're thinking about what you want and I don't know, then it just gets really philosophical where it's like, it's just, it's not, it's probably not going to happen because you want it to happen, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's good. To, good to think about. Like, cynical as that sounds. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. Uh, it is true. And I think people like caseworkers, that's a hard job. It's a very hard job to have. It's probably very draining all the time. And I would never want to do that. But like and even like foster parents like that was that was very draining for me all the time like emotionally taxing and you just want the best for these kids but and but that's 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 the thing right like you're not a your, saint your best yeah yeah i want what i think is best yeah. and even though i'm not saying like do what i want this will make your life great it's like that's my best and best is different for everybody and oh, so right. like no matter what I think. And and like a lot of the kids we get, like they're not even the same race as me. And it's like, I have no idea about your your background, your heritage, like what you what you strive for. Like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. So like my best is not your best. And people, you know, even though they want the best and they're genuinely trying to do things that are good, it seems like it's the the kids' fault, right? It's it's because they don't want my best. It's, yeah, and because bad. you know we have all our adult wisdom, and and they don't, yeah. and it's like you know we we can see what's coming, you know when they see 
like windows of opportunity. It's like, mm, that's not going to, you know, so there's always, it's always a, a tug of war. Um, yeah. I, I don't even do. And like, I, I do it a little bit, even, but I like my strategy is like, like I say, it's like, no, you, you are, you are a full individual on your own. And that's this, to me, the saddest thing I remember being a kid and, you know, being, being abused and neglected as I was by my, my family, like <clears throat> you are a whole person and like, you're, you're you, that's all you got. You've only got you, like you're in charge, but then, you know, you have the worst hand dealt to you. So it's like, no matter what happens, yeah. you're like, you've got to deal with it. Like you've got to eat a shit sandwich every day for every day as long as you're in this house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's super unfair because then, you know, like for you as a foster parent and like with Kate, that's then that's what they get that they have to try to help. And mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I can't even put myself in the place to be honest. I, I won't, I, I will. I, I do want to be a foster parent one of these days, but like from the perspective of a parent helping a child, like I can't, um, I can't rearrange my mind into how that looks like to me, I am still the child. I'm 35 and I'm still the child. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Like you said, like, I'll be 37 this year and I, I don't feel like an adult still. I still feel like I rely on other people a lot for like Same. information, like basic things that like going to the bank, I'm like, still like, I don't know how to do that. You know, like it's like, how, how can we expect others to do that? Who have zero training, right. And who have tons of issues like trauma. Like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I don't want to go down to the state office and ask, like, I don't even want to go to the driver's license office to redo that. Cause yeah. it's like, yeah, that's, no. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yep. I so, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. And so for me, it's like, I have all the like empathy in the world for these people, but like that, that doesn't matter or it doesn't matter to anybody, <laughs> but like, how, how do we, how do we help at all? No, I think it does matter, but it is a it is quite the hill to climb to go yeah. from having empathy to actually like you know do, doing things that feel like you're making a difference because um, you always don't feel like you're making a difference, and then ten years later you find out that you did. So yeah, somebody you know. was somebody was reached because of things you did. Yeah, that's or maybe you didn't find out, and you <laughs> you just never hear that you. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's, there's there are people that I never got to tell that they you know shaped me into a much better person um but yeah. yeah i know what you mean it is it's exhausting so it's exhausting trying to help yeah it yeah can it can be done yeah i yeah like like i said we we did foster care i've i've mentored youth for a long time since i was like 21 22 so it's it's been a long road of like trying to get the best out of people but again like you you always have to make your mindset like they're not me. They don't want what I want. You know, they don't yeah. think the same way I do. I don't know. So my, my strategy has changed many times over the years. And now it's just like, I'm just a listener. If, if you want to tell me whatever, that's cool. <laughs> and like, I'll, if you ask me for advice, I'll give it. But if you don't ask me, like, I'm not going to, because I don't like it when people do it to me. Right. Like, I don't like, you know, oh, yeah. tell me what yeah. I should do. It's like, unless I ask you, I'm not asking you. Right. It's, oh, I think advice is, is the best it's only listens to when it's asked for so yeah. i think you're i think you figured that one out <laughs> yeah so that one 
that one, yeah, that one, luckily that was one of the first realizations I came to when helping youth that don't want to be helped. <laughs> Stuff. Um, yeah, anyway, I am very glad that you're talking to me today. <laughs> I, it's, I appreciate it. It's, I, I, like I said, I like to hear people who have been in it. Like, I haven't been in it. I've seen it, and I've been around it, but I, I wasn't in it. Um, and I'm I'm grateful for for how I was raised, and I'm more and more retrospectively grateful now that I've been able to talk to other people. And it's yeah, it's just one yeah. one final question. I don't know if this one is you don't have to answer. Do you do you still keep in contact with your biological family? Um, my parents have passed away, but. Okay. Um, I was able to reconcile with one half of them, my dad. Um, my mom died when I was in Sweden, so I never got to say goodbye to her. And that really messed me up. That's the reason I came okay. home in the first place. Um, but, yeah, I, I made amends with my dad. <clears throat> he had a rough last few years of his life. It was not pretty. And he, he passed away in the, in the height of the pandemic. But he got to meet my son. Um I stay in contact with my sister. She lives on her property. We got the house burned down. My dream come true. We burned the house that I grew up in. The fire, the fire. Yeah, the <laughs> fire. Uh, fire t department in that area got to practice, you know. And uh, it was it was it was a slum house anyway. Needed to be burned down. Um, <laughs> and uh, she lives on that property now. Um, we visit her. Just I mean, it's expensive to travel, but I I I love my sister and miss her all my heart. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very at peace with my, uh, birth family. And I know that that's definitely not like, I'm lucky to have that. I know a lot of people who do not have that. Um, and as bad as my parents were, as crazy as they were, like, it only gets worse. <laughs> like I, I'm very close to people who've had worse, you know, home, home lives than me. And, uh, yeah, if you, my, my, I'm happy for me. I'm happy that I got that, you know, closure. Um, but yeah. man, I, I don't not having a family doesn't make anybody less of a person than, you know, other people. And that's one thing that I've had to come to terms with over the years. And so, um, I don't, I don't do it as like a bragging right where it's like, I figured it out. I got <laughs> parents. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like, a when you do something like that, for me, what's on my mind, it's almost like survival, survivor's guilt where it's like, I got this like gift at the end of my dad's life where we reconciled and I wish that other people could have that gift, but it's yeah. not up to them. It's not, it's not even up to their parents. Usually that's, that's a lot of generational trauma. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I can't thank you. <laughs> thank you for talking. It's, it's just a, yeah. I feel like a lot of people need to hear stories like yours that it's not all people helping people. It's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the talk. It's, yeah. it's been really good. Thank you everyone for listening and tuning in. Hopefully you learned as much as I did and you were able to, to find some things that you weren't, you didn't really know about foster care through this journey that we, that we took together. Um, thanks again. And if you want to hear our reaction to this interview, we, we did a separate episode on that, which you might have already heard. But if you haven't, go ahead and, and listen to that as well and get our initial reaction from 
what Alex and I had talked about. Uh, again, thank you, and we will see you in the next one. Bye.